you would please take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John chapter 3. The Gospel of John chapter 3. And as you are turning there, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever asked the question or have been asked the question, what do you want for Christmas? Have you ever done that? What do you want for Christmas? The whole Today we're going to be looking at the greatest gifts ever given, the greatest gift that you can ever have. The whole purpose of Christmas is summed up in the most famous verse in all of the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the whole purpose of Christmas. God so loved the world. By the way, it all started with God's love. God loves us, and that's why he gave his son to come and to die on Calvary's cross for you and for me. Somebody has said that you can give without loving but you can't love without giving. Amen? God so loved the world that he gave us the very first Christmas gift, and he gave it to everybody, and that gift was his son. It's the most expensive gift. It's the greatest gift that you will ever receive. Now, I want you to follow me here because we're going to jump from John 3.16, that verse that's very familiar to just about everybody, and we're going to jump to another verse in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. This is not quite as well known, although many of you are familiar with it. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, the apostle Paul said, He, meaning God, who did not spare his own son, meaning Jesus, but delivered him up for all of us, How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Let me read that again. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, how shall he not then with him freely give us all things? Notice the logic there. If God loved us so much that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to come and to live here on earth and to die that uh, horrible death on Calvary's tree, if he would send his son to die for you and for me, don't you think that he would love us enough to provide for each and every one of our other needs? If you notice in that verse, Romans 8.32 where it says, notice, maybe underscore, I've got it underscored in my Bible, where it says the words, with him. See, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? The first and greatest gift was Jesus Christ, amen? But the title of the message this morning is not the greatest gift, but the greatest gifts that you will ever receive. Have you, God gave us the greatest gift in his son, 
Jesus Christ, but with him there were a bunch of other gifts that God has given us. If you've ever received a gift and when you open that gift it had more gifts inside, I think I may have told you about this. It may have been even last Christmas. I don't remember. It's not a hint, but it's a good story and it's a good illustration. I remember when I first started pastoring the church in Dallas, it was, uh, uh, and I'd been there, I came in January, and so it was that first Christmas that I was there. And back in those days, this was in the mid-80s, isotoner gloves were the were, were the thing as far as gloves were concerned. And I let it be known that I wanted a pair of isotoner gloves. And I remember we were having one of these things at church and someone came and gave me a gift and I opened it up and it was a pair of isotoner gloves. And I was so appreciative of that. I just thought that was the greatest thing that anybody could do for me. And, uh, and they said, put them on. And I went to put them on and there was something inside. And in each finger, there was a $100 bill. And uh, so what a gift, right? But you see, they gave me the big gift, and in each inside of that were a bunch of little gifts. I did some studying over the last couple of weeks in preparing for this message. And did you know that in the New Testament, there are over 50 gifts that God gives us and promises us in the New Testament, there are 50 different gifts. And I think the word giving or gift is mentioned something like 66 times in the New Testament. And what he's trying to share with us is that God gave us that first, the most expensive, because it cost him the life of his son on Calvary's cross, and the most enduring, the greatest gift that we'll ever receive. And of course, that is Jesus Christ, but in that gift, he also gave us 50 more gifts. Now, I'm not going to deal with uh, all 50 of those gifts this morning, but I do want to talk to you about four gifts that are wrapped up in that first gift of Jesus Christ. When we receive God's gift of love, who is Jesus Christ, he at the same time gives us a bunch of other gifts. And the first gift that he gives with, us, with Jesus is that he gives us a new identity. He gives me a new identity. Look what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Did you know, it's, I guess it's been a phenomenon that's been sweeping the world for some time now, but they tell me that the greatest, the most rapidly growing crime in the world today is the crime of identity theft, saying that it's happening all of the time. Uh, Big corporations are dealing with uh, people hacking into their systems and stealing the identities of people. Places like uh, uh, Target and Walmart and 
American Airlines and Chase Bank and the Bank of America and, and I think just recently there was a, oh, I can't remember now, but just recently, I, maybe it was Facebook that, that somebody hacked in and got the identities of millions and millions of people and uh, I don't think a week goes by that, uh, that I don't get a notice on Facebook from a friend of mine that says, don't accept a friendship from me or a friend request from me. I've been hacked. I don't remember if it was Thursday or Friday. I think it was Thursday. It was Thursday. I was writing my notes. I was sitting at my desk and I was writing my notes. And I promise you, I promise you, this is exactly what happened. I had just wrote that sentence. I don't know how many times. It seems like every week that somebody sends me a note, uh, post on Facebook, don't accept my friend request, I've been hacked. It was, I had just put the period down and my phone dinged. I looked at it and it was a message from my sister who lives in Florida. She said, I just received a friend request from you. I think you've been hacked. I mean, at the same time, I had just written it down and I had been hacked. I, Deanne was working from home and I said, honey, look on Facebook and see if I sent you a friend request. And she said, yep, you did. And so I immediately posted, don't, don't accept a friend request from me. I've been hacked. And it happens all the time. People are stealing other people's identities. And the truth is that all of us at one time or another have had our identities stolen. Amen? And uh, sometimes, sometimes it's our parents who steal our identity because they try to put us in a box. They try to make us into the image that they want us to be rather than the image of what God wants us to be. I probably was guilty of that in my younger years. I wanted my son to be an athlete. I wanted him to be a, a star pitcher for the baseball. And I may have pushed him too hard to do that. Now he doesn't play baseball. He doesn't do anything. And he got burnt out. Have you ever known anybody that may have done that? I, I'm confessing I did. You know somebody now uh, that that tried to push him too hard to become what I wanted him to be rather than what God wanted him to be. You understand what I'm saying? And uh, we need to learn from that. We need to recognize that there are times, sometimes our friends, our peers, our peers try to get us to be like them. They want us to do what they're doing and they want us to put, put, a, put us in a box or something. Sometimes our, our spouses or our partners at work or or our employers want us to be a certain type of person and they try to put us in a box and they want us to conform to their image of what we ought to be rather than what God's image is that he wants us to be. And sometimes we have to deal with that. Sometimes, our, uh, sometimes it's problems. Sometimes it's stress. Sometimes it's difficult financial problems that cause us to be a certain way or cause us to do certain things that really is not our nature. Have you ever heard anybody say, 
I don't know why I did that. That's really not me. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody or something has stolen your identity and caused you to fit into a certain little box. Let me ask you a question this morning that is a very important question. Where do you get your identity? Who are you? What do you think of yourself? Where do you get your identity today? Most people, most people get their identity from one of three sources. They get their identity from work. They get their identity from relationships. They get their identity from things or possessions. You get your identity from work. You ever heard somebody introduce and say, I'm an accountant or I'm a plumber or I'm a, a, a lawyer or a teacher or a doctor or a truck driver, you know, and, and when, they, when they identify themselves, they identify themselves as whatever their job is, whatever their profession is, whatever kind of work that they do to earn a living. Some people get their identity from relationships. I, I, I heard something on TV. Somebody was talking I, I think she was one of the representatives from one of the country, uh, one of the states, and uh, and she was she was making a statement, and it was on TV. And she says, first thing, first of all, I want you to know I'm a mom." Or people that say, I, "I'm a wife," or "I'm a husband," or I, "I," you know, you understand what I'm saying? They're they're identified by their relationships with other people. Some people identify themselves uh, with their possessions. They identify with their possessions, what kind of car they drive or what kind of uh, house they live in or what kind of uh, uh, clothes they wear. A lot of people, a lot of people, they think, they think that their persona is who they are. And what I'm trying to tell you this morning is that none of those things are really what's important. Let me give you some advice this morning and I'm speaking as your pastor one who cares a lot about you I can say that I love you with the love of the Lord and I can mean that with every ounce of being that I am I want to give you some advice today never never ever ever build your identity on something that you can lose don't build your identity upon something that you might one day lose. If your identity is all built around your spouse, this happened to my mom. When she married my dad, she became my dad's wife. And that's all she was. I mean, we we weren't around her family that much. I mean, her whole life was built around my dad. When my dad died at 51, a very young man, she was lost. She didn't know who she was. She didn't know what she was going to do. She, was, she didn't know how to function. She hadn't, I mean, she was a wonderful lady, but she, she, she just, she was lost. And she just kind of wasted 
her life away after that. If you build your identity on somebody that you know or love, and if you ever lose them, you might lose your identity along. Some people, some people build their identity around their job. What happens if you get fired? Does that mean that you lose your identity? Some people uh, build their identity around their good looks. But that fades, doesn't it? What happens to your identity if you do that? Some people build their identity upon their athletic ability. And as you get older, that athletic ability diminishes. What happens to your identity when that happens? I know a lot of people that used to be jocks, and now all they are is jokes, and and it's not a happy sight. If you build your identity on something that you might someday lose, you just may lose your identity along with whatever it was. So what I'm saying is, the only thing that I cannot lose, the only thing that is going to stay with me forever is God's unconditional love for my life. Amen? Is God's unconditional love for my life. If you want to know what your true identity is, it's an identity that can never be taken away You must receive that identity from God. Now let me tell you something that I think is so great about that. I'm not defined by my past mistakes. Amen? Isn't that a great thing? Because God changes. He gives me a new identity. I'm not identified by my past mistakes. One of the biggest mistakes a person can make in life is to let their past failures define who they are. Now, I think Alcoholics Anonymous is a great organization. I think they've helped hundreds and millions of people. And I don't want to speak ill of Alcoholics Anonymous because I think it's a great organization. But there's one thing. If I could change one thing about Alcoholics Anonymous, it would be this. If you go to an AA meeting and you stand there, you introduce yourself, you say, my name is Russell Clemens and I'm an alcoholic. That's how they begin. My name is Russell Clemens and I'm an alcoholic. What I would rather them say, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is my name is Russell Clemens and I'm a child of God that has a problem with alcoholism. But see, my mistakes is not what defines me. And I'm so glad because there have been a lot of mistakes in my life. And I would be embarrassed if you knew all of the mistakes that I have made in my life because that's not what defines me. That's not who I am. There is a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 that we talked about just a moment ago, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away and all things have become new. I'm not the same man I used to be. Amen? I'm just not the same man 
I used to be, and that's because I received one day, I got down on my knees, and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life as my Lord and Savior. I received that gift, that first gift that God gave me in his son Jesus Christ. And uh, in that, a secondary gift in that first gift is that God gave me a new identity. Let me, let me share something with you. I, it might be a surprise to some people, but some people think that the spirit of Christmas is giving. Have you ever heard that? The spirit of Christmas is giving. Let me surprise you this morning. Although that sounds great, but let me tell you what the real spirit of Christmas is. The real spirit of Christmas is receiving. Receiving that first gift that God gave us on that first Christmas morning. The reason we have Christmas is that God sent His Son to die on Calvary's cross. That first initial gift, that big gift that God gives to everybody is that uh, he gives us a new identity. Not only the, it's one thing to have a new identity, it's quite another thing to, to maintain that identity, amen? The second gift that he's given, that's wrapped up in this first big gift, the second uh, gift that goes along with that is that he gives me a new ability. He gives me a new power. He gives me a new energy. He gives me a new strength, a, a new capacity. I'm no longer just depending on my own willpower to change my life and to be what God wants me to be. I imagine that you are like me and that you have tried to change some things about your life. Any of you here? Totally satisfied with everything that you are? I didn't think so. You know, what I've learned is that I can't make those changes by myself. I can't make those changes just using my own willpower because sometimes my willpower just fades out. If I could change things about my life that, uh, that could be done just by willpower, just by myself. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to pick somebody out here. You're close to my age. I'd be like Roy. I don't know what you weigh, Roy, and I, if I get it wrong, don't. But I'd weigh 180 rather than 260 if I could do that just by willpower. You understand what I'm trying to say? There are changes in our lives that need to be made that I can't do just with my own willpower. And praise God that he said, along with that gift that is Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you a new ability in the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 it says now hope doesn't disappoint sometimes my 
willpower disappoints me. But hope in Christ doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been, what's that next word? Given to us. See, the Holy Spirit is a gift to us that is wrapped up in that first gift. See, the, he, God gives us Jesus, and then when we receive Jesus, in that gift is a gift of a new identity, and also in that gift is a gift of a new ability, and that gift comes from the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is the second gift that I'm talking about. He's not only going to be working alongside me, he's not only going to be working with me, but God's going to be working inside of me. He says he's going to put his, his spirit in me. That's what happens when we receive God's gift of Jesus Christ. He also gives us his Holy Spirit. Now, now look at another verse that goes with that Romans 5.5 5 verse. It's Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, and this is what it says. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do it is his good pleasure. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. You know what the problem that many of us have? Probably, I guess I could say that all of us have the problem. See, I know what I need to do. Amen? You know what? You, you know the changes that you need to make in your life. We've known it all along. But yet, for some reason or another, we haven't been able to make those changes. We just don't have... The ability, God says, I'm going to give you both the desire and the ability to do my will. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. Let me show you one more verse. It's 2 Timothy chapter uh, 1 and verse 7. And uh, that verse says that the spirit is not a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. So let me ask you this. Would you like more power in your life? I would assume the answer to that would be yes. Do you want more love in your life? The answer should be yes. Do you want more understanding in your life? The answer should be yes, then you need the gift of God's Holy Spirit living in you. Amen? You need the gift of God's Holy Spirit living in you. If you really want to change your life this year, if you want to make some changes, life-altering changes in your life, you need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need the truth, and that is a new identity. You're going to need the power, and that's a new ability. And uh, there's one more thing that you're going to need. You're going to need support from others. 
That's love. The third gift that God gives us when you receive his gift of Jesus Christ is that he gives us a new community, not just a new identity, not just a new ability, but he's going to give you a new community, and that is the third gift. God says, I'm going to give you a new family. You know, don't you, that you weren't put here. You were never meant to go through life all by yourself. You are meant to be a part of God's family. You need to be a part of what God is doing in the world. Let me, let me read for you a passage of Scripture that's found in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in, in Christ. When he says he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, what he's saying is that he's given us all those blessings in Christ. That's those different gifts that are wrapped up in the initial gift of Jesus Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace. I want you to notice those words, adoption as sons. Uh, you know, don't you, that people aren't, aren't automatically uh, a part of God's family. Not everybody is a child of God. That word adoption means that we need to be adopted. We're not all children of God. Now, now God loves us all. We're loved by God. And God has a plan for everybody. But the only way you get to be adopted is by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God says, I want you to be a part of my family, but only those that receive him are adopted. In John 1, 12, it says, to as many as received him, to as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, even to those that believe upon his name. Only those that receive him are adopted. You must be adopted into the family. Now you say, well, what is this family? Where, where, where can I find this family? Well, the family is the church. The church is the family we need, the support we need in times of trouble. I've been a Christian for 50 years. It was uh, September, the middle of September 1971, when I got on my knees and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life as my Lord and Savior. And uh, it was in October that I joined the North Central Baptist Church in Gainesville, Florida. Now, folks, I'm not going into my testimony again because you know that already, but I did some pretty bad things. And my family was known in Gainesville, Florida 
It was on the news. It was in the newspapers. When I got out of jail in October of 1971, I joined that next Sunday morning. It was a Friday night, and the next Sunday morning, I joined North Central Baptist Church in Gainesville. And those people received me. They put their arms around me. They hugged me. They loved me. They helped me to grow and to become a part of the family of God. You understand what I'm saying? And that's what the church is. There have been times since then where I've still made mistakes in my life, as you have too, I would imagine. Shake your head, look intelligent. Yep, we've all made those mistakes. And you know what? Every time, the church was always there for me. They never disowned me. They never shunned me. They never kicked me out. They put their arms around me and said, God loves you. And they loved me. And that's who we are. Say, say listen, listen, listen. In that big gift that God gives us in His Son, Jesus Christ, He gives us a new identity. He gives us a new ability. He gives us a new community. And that community is the church where we are accepted and loved. Amen? That's why I like, I, I, I love Hebron Baptist Church because of how you care about one another. Oh, man. Hey, thank you so much for being the church that you are. But there's another gift that I want to talk about this morning. And it's wrapped up in that big gift too. Jesus was the big gift for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in that was the new identity, the new ability, and the new community. But then the last gift that I want to talk about, this is not the last gift, but the one I'm going to, Last one I'm going to talk about this morning is God gave me a new destiny. Some gifts, you know, don't last. I can remember when I was a kid, I'd get something for Christmas and it wouldn't last until the next day. It'd be broken or something. I don't know why it sticks out in my mind. I think I've told you this story before. I don't know why it sticks there, but it does. When I was about, I was either four or five, I got for Christmas, we got up early that Christmas morning as we did, we had to wake up our parents, you know, we ran to the tree, and I got a bow and arrow. You ever seen those little bow and arrows that they give kids? Had the little stopper on the end of it. I don't know why. This is such a memory to me. Because I was like four or five years old. But it had a red feather at the top of the bow. It had a red feather sticking in there. And I couldn't wait to get outside to shoot that bow and arrow. But that particular Christmas morning, not like this often in Miami, but, but that particular Christmas morning was a real foggy, damp morning. And I got out there with that bow and arrow, and I was shooting that thing. And it wasn't long before that feather, which was so cool, 
had kind of just limped over. And I guess it was red because they died. And it was a cheap bow and arrow. And the, and the dye off the arrow began to, you know, run down the thing. And it turned out to be a white feather. And it was not a very good white feather. I was so disappointed. Have you ever, have you ever gotten something for Christmas and then a week later or a month later or something it broke and you just didn't have it anymore? We used to, well, never mind. God says, I've got a gift that's going to last forever. He says, I want to give you the gift of heaven. I want to give you a gift of a new destiny. I really think that that's the most important gift to me now. Especially as the older I get, that, that gift becomes more and more and more important to me. You know why? Because so many people I know, so many people I've loved, are gone to heaven. And I want to see them again. I know one day I will. The one I want to see the most, I mean other than Jesus, the one I want to see the most is my dad. My dad was my best friend. And he died way too young. I told you earlier he died when he was 51. He had seven heart attacks before he died. The seventh one killed him. He had his sixth one and he was in the hospital there at Alachua General in Gainesville, Florida. That's where we were living at the time. And I, I, I went up one night to see him. This was the night, not the night before he died, but the night before that. And I was just sitting there with him. It was just him and me in the room. Now, you have to understand, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I had the opportunity after I got saved at the age of 22, I had the opportunity to lead my father to the Lord and my mother and my brothers and uncles and aunts. I, I had an opportunity to lead a lot of them to the Lord. And uh, I was sitting there with my dad and just talking to him. And it just struck me how much he meant to me and how much I loved him. And I stood up beside his bed. I held his hand and I put my head down on his chest. And I said, Dad, I just want you to know how much I love you. He said, you've got to stop. You've got to stop. Because who's getting choked up to? He was starting to cry. And then he said something to me. He said, I'm good. What he meant by that, not that he was a good person, but that he knew where he was going. The next night, my father had another heart attack, his seventh, and he died. But I remember most about that night, him patting me on my back and saying, I'm good. And one day, you know how I know I'm going to go to heaven. And I know that when I get there, I'm going to see my dad. And you say, well, how do you know that he's in heaven? Because I was there when he prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into his life. And I saw the changes that took place once he received Jesus. I saw him when he was baptized 
at North Central Baptist Church. And remember, my dad was crippled. He walked with a limp, and he was kind of bent over. He'd broken his back in three places, and arthritis had set in, and he couldn't straighten up more than that. I was there, right there, when they baptized him. Oh, I'll never forget that experience. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. The spirit of Christmas, and I understand the meaning. I understand people saying, I understand that it really is the spirit of Christmas, is the spirit of giving. But folks, the real meaning of Christmas, the real spirit of Christmas, the purpose of Christmas is not us giving, but us receiving. Us receiving. Say, listen to me. Honestly and truly, we don't have anything to give until we've received. Amen? We don't have anything to give until we've received what God has for us in Jesus Christ. And in that big gift, He gives us a new identity. Not only does He give us a new identity, but He gives us a new ability to maintain that identity. And not only a new identity and a new ability, but He gives us a new community, brothers and sisters in Christ, a new family to support us in that. And last but not least, He gives us a new destiny that's never going to break, that's never going to go away, that's based on not our, who we are, but based on His love, unconditional love, that He's never going to leave us or forsake us. And forever and forever and forever we'll be with Him. Amen? Oh, dear friends, don't let this Christmas Go by without understanding what the real gift is. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for this time of the year where we uh, put so much attention on that marvelous gift that you gave us in your son. Oh, God, help us to know that gift and all the other things that come with it. You're such a good God and a gracious God. We love you. We worship you and adore you. In Jesus' name, amen.